holy word. As the Lord would enable us this evening, I'd like to direct your attention to verses 37 and 38. We'll read verse 36 as well. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the labourers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth labourers into his harvest. We find here Christ seeing the people weary. They are fainting and scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. They're weary with religion and with the traditions which have been heaped upon them. They're doing many things, and yet many have no peace. They were like sheep without a shepherd, no one there to direct them aright. They were, though, they were those who were largely ignorant of the truth, although they had the scriptures before them, because they had been mistaught how to understand the scriptures. The Lord sees them weary, perishing in sin. Well, what of you? As you look around, we see people weary, weary in sin, although often they won't admit it, ignorant of the truth, people who are perishing in their sin. And surely we need to take to heart the words of the Lord Jesus here. These are words which uh, have been on my spirit for some time as I've been thinking of our seminary opening this evening. And therefore, uh, I believe the Lord would have us to consider these things this evening. I'd like us to notice them under two headings. The work of the minister and the duty of the people. The work of the minister and the duty of the people. As we look at this passage, we are given a picture of the minister as a labourer in a harvest field. And we might notice five things which this brings to the attention regarding this work of the ministry that uh, you are called by the Lord here to pray about. The first is this. It's a necessary work. It's a necessary work. He speaks of the harvest. The harvest is truly as plenteous, but the labourers are few. Well, when you think of the harvest, it's wonderful to see uh, the fields uh, with the crops ripening and ready for harvesting. And we can see that around us at this time. But we're aware that there is only a harvest once the crop has been brought in. And therefore, there is only a harvest once the work of harvesting is done. It's possible for the crop to be lost in the field. You think of the farmer at this time of the year, he's watching the weather. 
He's hoping and praying that it will continue reasonable because sometimes the crop is lost in the field, say because of incessant rain. And as we're reminded of these things, and these were things were true in Israel as they are here, although the climate was different, there's a reminder to us that the Lord here is stressing to us that there is a gospel field that needs harvesting. And that many shall perish if they are not brought in. You think of how uh, we are reminded in Romans chapter 10, whoever calls upon the Lord shall be saved. But how shall they call upon him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? They need to hear. Now often we find a stress on the sovereignty of God and salvation. And we find the Lord Jesus himself at times laying great emphasis on this. If we read, for example, John 6, uh, John chapter 6, then he is challenging the people who seem to be more interested in him feeding them than in their spiritual needs. And therefore, time and time again, there's a reminder, no one can come to the Father, come to the Son, except the Father which sent him draw them. There's that need of the drawing work of the Spirit, as was said to Nicodemus. You must be born again. There's even a place and a time for saying to those who may be interested in the things of God but yet unconverted you know your problem you must be born again there's a heart change that only God can give you think of how the Lord Jesus in Matthew 11 gives thanks that the father has hid the things of the gospel from the wise and the prudent in their own eyes and he has sent it unto babes it's interesting a few verses later you have that wonderful um, open invitation to come to himself come unto me all ye that labour and are heavy laden and I will give you rest so we find the Lord often stressing sovereignty that he is sovereign in salvation and we know that all the elect of God shall be brought in but we also find a stress on personal responsibility and throughout this chapter there seems to that be that stress faith is commanded the need for faith challenge something that we exercise that we do god doesn't believe for you you believe yourself and um you find a similar passage to the one we consider this evening in john chapter 4 as the Lord is passing through Samaria, he has been speaking to this woman. And it may be that he is seeing this woman having been brought to faith, returning with others. And he says to his disciples, don't be saying there's four months yet to the harvest. Lift up your eyes. Look, the fields are ripe and they are ready for harvest. And he's indicating the need for people to labour and for others to enter into that work with them following one labourer, following after the other in that work of harvesting. In other words, 
we should always remember that God works. He alone builds up Jerusalem as we sang earlier. But how does he do it? He uses means. He uses people. He uses the preacher. He uses the witness of his people, sometimes a word in season that you might say to friends or family or um, those around you. He uses ordinary means to gather in souls. The watchman is to blow the trumpet. The watchman is to be responsible. If he fails, the people will perish. Well, there's that stress in our responsibility to be a witness, to the preacher to be a faithful trumpet and preacher and harvester for the Lord. Whoever calls upon his name shall be saved. How shall they call upon him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear unless one preach? Yes, the preacher sent, but the preacher must preach. Let us remember the importance of the ordinary means of salvation, the reading of the word, and especially the preaching of the word. Blessed to the salvation of souls. Yes, there are some. There might be some here. I know some who have been brought in just through somehow getting a Bible and reading the Bible. But often it is through the preaching of the word. Here is unnecessary work then, the work of the ministry. Because God especially uses that for the conversion of sinners and the gathering of souls into the kingdom of God. It's a necessary work. Let us be those who try and get people under the word. Let us be those who distribute that word. Let us be those who faithfully proclaim that word in our lives and if you are called to preach as preachers of the gospel because it's necessary. You'll notice it's also an urgent work. An urgent work. There's a limited time for the harvest. Well, we know that's true. Now, said Jesus and John, 4.35 is a time for the harvest and there are opportunities. And that opportunity for the work is limited. Well, we know in nature, the weather, it can limit the harvest time. We know the fruit can be ruined if it is overripe. In other words, you and I should have an urgency about the importance of the work of the ministry. Whether you're a preacher or a student for the ministry, or whether you're one supporting the cause of Christ and concern for others, surely we should have an urgency. We should never leave people with the impression that the gospel is a take-it-or-leave-it thing. You know, that's what people think. I'm glad you're a Christian. I'm glad you've found something that helps you. Don't you get frustrated when you hear such things? They just don't get it. 
they're not realising that you have what they need. Oh, let us be urgent. Let us be those who press souls regarding their spiritual needs. That's the work of the minister, but indeed the work of all God's people. When we think of the uncertainties of life, how quickly things change. We've seen that just in the last week, how quickly our national life can change, how quickly our individual lives can change. Having an urgency about us. And yes, there are some times in life that are more opportune than others. You get that impression in John 4, where the Lord is saying, lift up your eyes, now is the time for the harvest. People are coming. And so especially then, an opportunity to harvest souls and bring them in safely into the barns, into the kingdom. Don't you wish you lived in a time of awakening and revival? A great harvesting time. Well, sadly we don't. But we all know there are times which are more opportune. Where we might have an opening where a month later that person won't be so ready to receive a word in season. They may have been sick. There might have been a death. There might have been an unusual providence. Just things happening in society. Allowing an opening to speak about death. Haven't we got that just now? Everyone's aware of suddenness, change, death. Where will we find hope? We have more openings now. Because they'll say certain things. And if they say something, to take a hold of it and to speak a relevant <coughs> word. Limited time for the harvest. That means this is an urgent work. But not only that, the labourers are few. Oh, how plentiful is the harvest. Have you not thought that when you walk down see the high street in Inverness or the busy streets of other cities in the land? So many people. She crowds flocking to events. And do you ever stop and think, where are they going? What do they know about the truth? What do they know about eternity? How important. When the labourers are few, to be faithful and diligent. The minister, the student for the ministry, all of us really should be conscious this is an urgent work. We're not to squander opportunities. We're not to waste time. The minister especially is to feel an urgency in the work. Indeed, should we all not be burdened that many are perishing and be looking for opportunities to commend others to Christ. So it's a necessary work. It's an urgent work. You'll notice it's also a laborious work. He's a labourer in the harvest field. A workman. But we all know that the work of harvesting is no easy work. It is back-breaking work. Constant 
You have to get at it and continue at it till the work is done. Well, some people think the minister's life is a life of ease. He sits in a chair. He drinks tea with people. He reads some books. He speaks occasionally. Sounds quite an easy job. But it's a laborious work. Indeed, there is no work that is more laborious. And we just have to read this passage of Christ. And you realise that constantly he is surrounded by people pressed in. And he has no break. Well, what an example. He's up early praying. He's working till late. He's always busy doing his Father's will. Laborious work. And especially if it doesn't seem to bear much fruit. You know, it's interesting in one of the servant songs, Isaiah 49, uh, we find it said, I have laboured in vain, I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Those who are preachers here, I'm sure at times have been encouraged as they read these words, because they have often felt they have spent their strength for naught and in vain. The difficult thing is to go on immediately and say what Christ says there. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord, and my work with my God gets on with the work. Well, even in seminary, our students have much labour to do because they are learning to use the tools and equipping themselves to be able workmen. And the work they do is laborious but essential. It is irreplaceable because if they are going to be of benefit to themselves and to others and to the cause of Christ, they're going to have to labour. And once they finish their studies, they're going to find, in many ways, saying that it was easy compared to the work of the ministry. But they've got much work to do. They need the tools for interpreting the Bibles. They've got to learn the languages. That's no easy thing, to learn these ancient languages. They've then got to learn the principles of how you interpret and don't interpret the Scriptures because if you're, as it were, looking at it through the wrong glasses, things go wonky. And you get things wrong. Sadly, many have led the church astray through failing to have a simple biblical understanding of how the scriptures should be understood. To understand how theology has uh, been, uh, the truths of God's word have been revealed throughout um, the centuries of um, the giving of the scriptures. Now that growth in understanding that revelation, the, the uh, deepening awareness of who the Messiah was and what he was to do. Holding all these things together, it's not easy to get a grasp of all that. And then there's tools to keep them faithful. Church history. What does it matter, learning about church history? These are, these are old things. 
Well, the truth is that all the errors which are around today, you'll find them in the history of the church being dealt with. And therefore, as our students are equipped with church history, they understand where we've come from, how God has acted, the errors to avoid, examples of God's work and power, helping the church in difficulties, all these things, equipping them to be faithful preachers. Systematic theology. You know, sometimes the preacher may not understand something fully, but he knows what not to say because he has, in the studies of systematic theology, as he has brought the different teachings of texts together, he knows what's wrong. And he's kept from saying the wrong thing. Learning the truth. Learning from past error. That's needed. And then there are tools to defend and expound and proclaim the faith. Apologetics to defend the faith. Homiletics. How to present the truth and preach. How many tools? And then there's a great battle against sin to overcome that we all have. And the devil especially attacks those who would be used of God in the church. And how we need grace. What a laborious work. To mortify the flesh, to Keep down sin. To maintain a spirit of devotion and prayer. It's easy to do certain things, but to do it in the right spirit. And to pray and to pray. And to have that entire consecration. Do you see how laborious this work is? And it's an ongoing work. The student for the ministry. And then the ministry itself keeping up these things and developing these things. And you think of the pastor, he's always at work, his mind always considering things, relating things to his people and to how he might see illustrations to help his people. There's mental strain, emotional strain, the strain of preaching, the strain of pastoring. He's an evangelist. He's a ruler. He may have administration to deal with in the church as well. You know, part of the failure of the church in Christ's day was because the priesthood essentially were lazy. They were content with just ritual. They were slow bellies. A lazy priesthood led to the people perishing. You had that before the Reformation. Oh, it's a laborious work. And so, as you and I remember the necessity of the work and the urgency of the work, we should realise it might be laborious, one can become weary in well-doing, but all to spend and be spent for Christ. It's a laborious work. 
But then notice a fourth thing, it's a dependent work. There's a mention here of the Lord of the Harvest. Who's the boss? The Lord of the Harvest. As the farmer directs his workers in the fields, so the Lord of the Harvest directs his servants. And so the work of the ministry is a work of looking to the master daily for direction. Being guided and directed by him. Not just to the place of labour, but directed as to how that should be carried forth. And what is needed surely is to be like Christ. Looking to him for the pattern and following that biblical pattern in all things. Doing the work, not to please myself, but to please the master, doing what he would have me do. And of course, for that, there's the needed need for provision. The Lord of the harvest, he would, he would feed his men. Let us be thankful the Lord of the harvest has promised grace for his servants. How we need much prayer that we might be more and more dependent. Dependent as individuals, as a church dependent, that ministers might be dependent. And then the final thing, a, a God-glorifying work. Who are these labourers working for? They're working for their master. He is the one whose barns are to be filled. And so it is, the labourers are those who work for the Lord. The ministry is, exists for the glory of the Lord of the harvest. Just as the church exists for the glory of the Lord of the harvest. Which means in all that we do as a church, in all that we do as congregations, and especially all that the minister does, he falls short if he loses sight of that aim, the glory of Christ. And it's so easy for the people, and it's easy indeed for the ministry to focus on man. For people perhaps to make too much of men, of ministers, and to view them in a wrong way. To put them on a pedestal, as it were, and think more of them than the Christ that they represent. Really, although you hear the gospel preached by men, what you want is to hear Christ and to lose sight of the man. And when you think even of 
the salvation of souls. It brings great blessing to others. We want our loved ones to be to be saved from the wrath which is to come. We long for others to be delivered. What should be our primary aim? Even as we pray and as we try and bear witness to others and as we may preach the truth, it must be the glory of God. Not the good of our church, but the glory of God. How we must remember the church exists for the glory of God. And when the visible church fails to serve her master according to his will, or when she fails to do all for her master, it will lead to ruin. It will lead to a captivity. God glorifying work. And friends, you know it's not easy to glorify God. We learn from our youngest days, man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. We know these words are so easy to reel off and they're so difficult to put into practice. The work of the ministry. Well, secondly, the duty of the people. The duty of the people. We'll notice just two things. Prayer. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest. That he will send forth labourers into his harvest. Pray that he would send them forth. Well there's a prayer therefore for Christ to provide ministers. Pray that he would send them. Now it's interesting. The word send perhaps doesn't bring bring the full idea because the idea is to thrust them out as soon as you hear that you think that's a bit forceful well that's the picture they're being thrust out in other words it's Christ who gives the desire to men to offer themselves for the ministry and generally speaking they need to be constrained to take up that work. It's the last thing on earth they would do if they could avoid taking up that work. But they must do it. They are thrust out. They're impelled to go out. And that reminds us, therefore, that the gospel ministry is the gift of the risen Christ. And we should think of the ministry, therefore, as the fruit of Christ's death and his intercession. Isn't that brought out in Ephesians 4, verse 7? There we're reminded of a quotation from Psalm 68. Christ, the great conqueror, he's received gifts for men, even for the rebellious. All the blessings of the new covenant he has secured by his death. He is not a king who keeps the booty for himself. He gladly shares the spoils with his people. All the blessings of salvation he shares with his own. And as Paul in Ephesians 4 speaks of those blessings, what does he speak of? 
He gave some apostles and some prophets and some pastors and some teachers uh, for the um, edifying of the saints, for the work of the ministry. In other words, they are the gift of the risen Christ. His death has purchased them for his church. And he secures by his intercession their being sent out. And so we're dependent on Christ. And therefore, let us pray the Lord of the harvest. O Christ, plead for those men which are thine, which thou hast bought, to be thy servants, that they might be sent out. Pray that he would send them forth and that he would direct them, and that he would therefore be glorified through this. And this evening we're thankful that as we have prayed over the last few years for men to give themselves to train for the work of the ministry in their own land, that there are those who have come forward. We're thankful. But let us not be content. The harvest is plenteous, the labourers are few. Lord, send them out. Send out those labourers. Fit them and raise them up, fit them and constrain them to give themselves and thrust them out into the harvest fields. Calvin I think he's referring to this verse when he speaks of how only the Lord can send out ministers. He talks about the fearful desolation there was in his own day. And he says, well, that just means we need to pray. Well, you think of the great things that were happening in the days of the Reformation. How much more we need to pray. And the harvest is plenteous and how ignorant and perishing so many are pray for Christ to provide ministers and then pray for Christ to help in the training of ministers the labourer needs training to be effective he's to help gather the crop he's not to harm it to ruin it some of us, if we were put into a harvest field, would make a mess. We'd be better not being there at all. Oh, how we need those who will be faithful preachers and evangelists. Pray then that Christ would help in the training of ministers. That he would equip those who seek to train them. That our lecturers may know the help of God. That they might be kept faithful. Where does ruin often enter into a church? Subtly through the seminaries. And if you get the divinity students, you get the next generation of ministers. And they're not very faithful. Subtly, the error creeps in. And ruin descends on the church.
Our own nation is testimony to that in the last 150 years. I'll pray that those who train, they might be equipped, used to do good and kept from doing damage to the crop. Pray for Christ to bless the work of ministers. We depend on the Lord of the harvest for a spiritual harvest. He alone can open the hearts. He alone can build up the saints. Let us constantly pray for our ministers. That God would enable them to be faithful as we have considered their work. And that God would bless their labours. You think of how the apostles were men of prayer, but they were always saying, you find it with Paul, pray for us. Why pray? That God may open a door of utterance for us, that we might speak as we ought to speak. He felt his need. You would think, well, wouldn't it be wonderful to be able to just sit under Paul and listen to him speak? It would be great. What about learning? learn and be able to ask questions? And wouldn't it be a blessing in the church? What's he saying? Pray for us. I need help to speak and to speak right. The Lord alone can bless the word. Paul may plant, Apollos may water, God alone gives the increase. And if we need motivation to prayer, well, think here of the compassion of Christ. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Let us have com- uh, think of the compassion of Christ. If he was compassionate in others, should we not be so? As we think of those who are perishing, should we not be compassionate in them? Let us be those who are burdened more and more because so many are perishing. And yes, there's the glory of God because he is glorified in the salvation of sinners. And there's the good name of our master. But nothing worse and seeing a farmer's harvest in a mess because the labourers are just useless, sloppy workers. Well, think of the good name of the Lord of the harvest. Let that give us motivation to pray, Lord, may there be a good harvest. May many be brought in. Raise up others and thrust them out. Because the state of the harvest reflects in him. Pray for the ministry. And finally this, appreciate the ministry. Appreciate the ministry. Remember they are involved in a necessary work, which is for the glory of their master. They are not their own, They serve him. And therefore, remember that your welfare and the welfare of others are bound up with the work of the ministry. She would not appreciate this great work. 
And as you and I see God's servants as those who are sent by him as a blood-bought gifts of Christ, shall we not value the ministry for his sake? Not because I like their preaching. Not because, well, they, yeah, I find that they do me good. Whether it's lasting good is another question. But really, for his sake, let us not slight the gifts of Christ, but let us use them well. So appreciate the ministry. What does that mean? Receive the message. Apply the message. Support the work of the ministry. Encourage those who are ministers and those who are training for the ministry. Yes, they might need some advice which um, may involve a certain degree of correction, but you can be positive in the way you speak and not destructive in the way you speak. And as you do that, you'll show your appreciation and your desire to glorify God. <coughs> Truly, the harvest is plenteous, but the labourers are few. Pray therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labourers into his harvest. Amen. Let us pray. Our Lord and God, we ask that thou wouldst bless thy truth to us. Give us a deeper and deeper appreciation of the work of the ministry. And also uh, diligence to fulfill whatever duties we have in regard to them. Bless thy servants and encourage them. Bless those setting out on the work of study. May they realise the greatness of the work that they are setting their hand to. Enable them to be faithful. And grant us grace, O Lord, that we might do all to thy glory and honour and praise. Hear us and bless us, we pray. All for Jesus' sake. Amen. Now we shall sing again to God's praise in Psalm 126. Psalm 126, we'll sing the whole psalm to God's praise. On Zion's bondage, God turned back, as men that dreamed were we, then filled with laughter was our mouth, our tongue with melody. Psalm 126, the whole psalm to God's praise.
It's good to see so many of you here. And I just want to briefly outline what is going on in the seminary just now as we have our first opening for a number of years. Uh, we're thankful to have with us uh, the Reverend Greg MacDonald, who was appointed by uh, the General Assembly of 2021 as the Systematic Theology Lecturer. This is the first time he has been at an opening or closing. Indeed, it's the first time I've been because I wasn't able to be here at the closing the last time there was a closing of the seminary because I had other arrangements at that time. Um, the, we're thankful that we are able to have an opening of the seminary. Um, there weren't any students for a number of years, no home students at least, and um, obviously there was COVID, which didn't help things anyway. But we're thankful that we're here tonight and that we have some new students. But that's not to say that the lecturers have been doing nothing over the last few years, because although there were no home students, there were students from other places, from France and Spain and from America. Uh, I might just outline the students that we have uh, at home. We're thankful that we have uh, two students uh, beginning the work of the ministry uh, to train for the ministry. We've got Kevin Norman, Norman MacDonald, who is known to you. I shall ask Mr MacDonald to stand. And most, I think, you will know this man, but we're thankful that he has now begun the first of a four-year course. Uh, one man who probably is not known, certainly by face to many of you, but you might have heard his voice, is Mr Alan Blaney. He is currently a private student at the seminary. He has made applications, but recognised as a student for the ministry. That application is currently before the Southern Presbytery and cannot be dealt with until Mr Blaney has completed two years as a member in uh, the Free Church continuing. However, he has begun training um, as uh, doing the normal training of a divinity student and we're pleased to welcome you this evening. Would you like to let everyone see what you look like? <laughs> okay, we're very thankful to have these two men. A wonderful answer to our prayers. Uh, we thought we might have one man. I think, well, it's good to have one man, although It'll be difficult for him to train on his own. Now we've got two, and it means that we can run classes, face-to-face -face classes with two people in the seminary, and that's, well, just so much better than just one-to-one, you -one, um, the interaction. And so we really are thankful to the Lord for this provision at this time. Uh, there are some students from North America. Tyler Ray... Uh, he was doing some studies, they ceased for a couple of years, but he has resumed studies in the third year of a four-year course. Uh, another man um, who is doing studies with the seminary, quite a lot, is uh, called Donner Bartolon. He um, is hoping, I would say hoping to be recognised as a free church student soon, 
he has not yet been interviewed by the training of the ministry and the missions committee, but the, the presbytery um, there are supportive of him. Getting people across from America has not been easy this last while. He was asked to do two, a two-year course, uh, quite an intensive course in the seminary, and he is currently undertaking that. He's Mexican, and it may be that he will be of use to the church, uh, the presbytery of uh, the USA, in developing a work in Mexico. Um, but that is for them to organise. Uh, another man from America, Logan Shelton, you may have come across mention of him. As far as I'm aware, he is helping in the preaching station at, in Alabama and he is doing some training and sitting exams at the seminary. Again, one of those who is, has a, an application in progress which has been delayed because of all the problems in travel in the last few years. So there's these two men uh, here from home, the three men from further away. We then have two men from France. Uh, there's a man called Paul Pontac, who is a lawyer and indeed a judge in France. And he is doing a part-time divinity course uh, with the hope of being recognised as a free church um, divinity student I think he's due to be interviewed in October and another lad who attends the um, Poe congregation Fabian Garot uh, he is beginning a four year course uh, so these men uh, from abroad they are working by distance but they're doing the full course and therefore uh, there is quite a lot of work uh, that the lecturers have. One other man who has recently been recognised as a divinity student, Joel Suarez, he comes from Spain. Well, he, he's resident in Spain. He's actually from Argentina. But um, he is starting the second of a four-year course. So there's quite a number of students that our lecturers have responsibility for. Please pray for our students. Um, those who are abroad, um, their English, their reading English uh, and indeed written English tends to be of a high standard. Sometimes their spoken English they struggle with a bit more. But the Lord would bless them all and help them in their studies. One other man perhaps to mention, Mr Farms, is doing a course under Mr Kirkland. And um, so... Mr Kirkland has extra responsibilities there. This year, it's intended that the students uh, should meet up here three times in the year. We hope that we can increasingly use Zoom um, to and things like that for tutorials. Um, one of the blessings, I suppose, that the uh, last few years has brought to us is that it has made it easier to find um, stable ways of having um, teleconferences and uh, it's hoped that we can use that more to help the students in their studies. It's distance learning, but this is a means of encouragement. In addition to all that, some men are doing the certificate course 
it was, uh, there were up to three a year who were allowed to begin that course. It was a course of studies to help men who were wanting a little more theological education, but it wasn't for the ministry. Um, the Senate Committee decided today that because there were so many actually doing the course for the ministry itself, that it would be unwise to take on more men onto that course just now. So please pray for our, our seminary that the Lord would keep us faithful, that the students might be helped, that the lecturers might be upheld, and that others might be thrust out into the harvest fields. I'd like to ask at this time uh, Reverend David Fraser to come and to lead us in prayer. Would you come to the front, please, and lead us in prayer and pray for the seminary? O oh, great and eternal and living and gracious creator and preserver and redeemer, we come to thee as thy servants engaged in the harvest field, that thou art calling us to look and recognize a today. Sometimes we don't see that field, but we have been pointed a, graciously tonight and challengingly to the great mission of the church which has been bought with the precious blood of the Lamb of God. And it's only through him that we can come, for we are poor sinners, failures broken, and often unwilling. And as we confess our feelings, we come pleading for thy spirit, to visit us and strengthen us for it's only what is done with the aid of thy spirit that will bring great success, great reward, joyful reaping. And uh, therefore we thank thee this night for our seminary we thank thee for the principal who indeed labours with dedication for the prosperity of the seminary and who has been such a, a great enabler of providing, a, facilitating the courses in, in interacting with the Committee for the Training of the Ministry and Admissions, and ever willing and at hand to advance this work. We pray that he will have great joy in seeing the prosperity of this vital work of teaching others also 
as the Apostle said. And we do pray also for our lecturers, thanking thee that they have been so willing to be flexible and to adjust uh, the training for the uh, multiple and varied needs of the men that have come forward. And we uh, pray for them. We pray for uh, Mr. Woods and Mr. Gracie and uh, Mr. Clark and Mr. Kirkland and Mr. MacDonald. Oh, how we bless thee for these gifted, dedicated men. And we pray for them tonight that uh, whatever the challenges or burdens or even discouragements that they may face, that they, as they resort to their master, they may receive much strength, much light, much grace, to nurture and train uh, the minds and hearts of these men. What a responsibility this is, so that uh, the flock of God may have men that can lead them in and out to good pasture. Uh, oh, how much our church depends on these men to uh, fit them uh, in every area of their task and to cultivate their gifts. Grant them, Lord, that inspiration from above. And we pray, too, that for the students, for the two that are with us tonight, for Alan and Kevin, that they will be perhaps diffident, but blessed and encouraged that we are behind them and we are conscious that they have a sacred duty and a high calling and uh, that they need much prayer and that they may be able to uh, take advantage of uh, all the provision made for them by the lecturers and so come forth as uh, men equipped and armed for for the work and for the battle that is before us. And we pray for these others from America, for Tyler Ray, for Logan Shelton, for Donor Bartolon, Lord. They're far away from us, but thine eye is upon them. And so encourage them if they've had to battle with difficulties along the way. We thank thee that they are uh, full of uh, earnest zeal to serve thee. And we do pray for the men at home, the two men in France, and uh, the, uh, the Spanish speaker, Paul Suarez, we, Joel Suarez, we ask, Lord, that they will also, uh, even this night and in the weeks ahead, be very conscious that though they have to battle with language difference and all these problems, that they will be very conscious of overcoming through him that loves them. So, Lord, continue with us. We bless thee for gathering us together this night. We bless thee for the ministry that we've received. And we pray that we will see glorious days before us of the right hand of our God. 
So accept us in Jesus, in whom we ask all these things. Amen. Just before we sing our closing psalm, I'd like to thank uh, the inter-moderator and King's Court of West Hill for the use of the building here this evening and also for all the help they have been uh, to the seminary over the years, especially for the help today. Earlier on, we have been well looked after. We've been very impressed how well things have been organised for us. And we do really appreciate these things. It's made our works uh, so much easier, so much more comfortable. And um, we do sincerely thank you for these things. Uh, after the benediction, there will be time for fellowship and refreshments. Uh, the usual room, just out near inside, I think it's called. There'll be refreshment and other things there. Please do meet behind. We enjoy a time of fellowship together. I've been asked to mention uh, the bookstall. There are copies of the Seminary Journal. These are £6 each. Um, that's the latest one. Um, there may be some old ones available, I'm not too sure. Um, also, the book by Mr Ferrier, Ministers of the Free North. Um, that's available, that's £6. And I think this is a new book, which you may not be so familiar with, called Eternal Truth. It's a complete reprint of uh, a magazine that was edited by the Reverend John G. Murray, which in a sense, became a sort of forerunner uh, of the Banner of Truth magazine, printed along the same lines, and um, that is £12, and there are copies of these on the table. Well, uh, before we sing, just to thank you all for coming, for your support, and for your ongoing prayers. These things are greatly appreciated by all at the seminary. Well, we shall conclude our worship singing to God's praise in Psalm 67. Psalm 67. Sing the first version. Lord, bless and pity us. Shine on us with thy face, that the earth thy way and nations all may know thy saving grace. Psalm 67. Lord, Oh.
We'll just wait a minute, Mr. Roberts wishes to say something very briefly to us. Mr. Roberts. Thank you very much indeed. May I mention three matters of encouragement which I think we should keep in our mind because we can pray for these three things. The first one is there's a new congregation connected with our denomination just been started in Portugal just a few days ago. Some of you know that, not all of you do. They're Portuguese speaking, but a number of people are coming from South American countries and they're coming across to Europe and they're taking part in the work in that congregation starting there in Portugal. So please pray for them. The second point I mention is we have a friend in Germany who translates very good books of theology into German. Germany very much lacks good theology. They have a lot of things in German, but they don't have much uh, which is theologically good. So please do pray for the work of Sebastian Merck. Sebastian Merck. He is translating very good books into German so that the people may get the theology and teaching that you and I love here in Scotland. And uh, he does pray for us. Very briefly, some of you may not realise in England and Wales, there is now a Presbyterian church. They're not identical with ourselves, but their theology is the same as ours. They go by the Westminster Confession of Faith, and there are now 20 congregations or so in England and Wales, and they're doing exactly what we're doing, they're preaching the Word of God and encouraging the people to come to the faith of the Gospel. Thank you. Okay. We'll close with asking a blessing on the food and the benediction. Our Lord and God, we acknowledge thee as the one who art the giver of every good and perfect gift. Bless all those ventures, we pray, for the extension of thy kingdom, all that we have heard of this evening. May thy name be glorified thereby. And grant, Lord, that as we go on, we might go on, dependent upon thee, and seeking grace to serve thee in whatever capacity we find ourselves. We thank thee that thou dost provide for us, thou dost provide food, uh, food for the soul, followeth thy blessing, thy word declared this evening. We thank thee that thou dost also equip us with food for the body, and we pray that as we uh, eat and drink in a fellowship together, that thou wouldst continue with us and bless our ongoing <coughs> fellowship and may it be God glorifying. O oh Lord, how we need thee. Watch over us, take us to our homes in safety and abide with us, we pray, and grant us thy blessing. And all we ask is for the sake of thy dear Son. And now the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Ghost, be with you all. Amen.